Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6, the next stop in my journey for the search for Middle-earth. Joining me on my quest today to discuss chapters 10 through 12 of The Hobbit, my friend and fellow Hobbit and Lord of the Rings enthusiast Ashton Skigil. Hi! Hello! How is everyone doing? How are you? How's, how's the audience doing, everybody? Are you are you doing how's okay? Everyone? Let's let's check in with the listeners for a second. Are you doing okay? <laughs> yeah, how are you doing? Leave us a five-star review and tell us how your day was. Please. <laughs> Please. That'll that'll be a good way to gauge how you're feeling on this lovely Thursday uh, that this is coming yeah. out. <laughs> anyway, I'll get the self-promotion out of the way. Um <laughs> how are you? This more important question. <laughs> Uh, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I finished re-listening to uh, the audiobook for to like give myself a refresher on these chapters we're gonna read. And oh my god, the theatrical reading is just so good. Like, can I gush can about we that talk for a about second? About that, yes. Dude, let's let's cool. gush about that for a second. Absolutely. Oh, dude, totally. The voices he does for the characters, mm -hmm. like Bilbo's little like. I love if I'm being honest <laughs> his voice for Bayorn I gushed over for so long I because he, he did like a thick Russian accent and I, I did not oh listen gosh. I did not listen to the audiobook for inside information so I but I really want to know what his voice for smog is I'm gonna go back and listen to that because it's it's so oh it's so good uh, anyway so to Get us into the actual book here and our first question to segue right into that. Uh, the question I ask all of my guests at the beginning of every episode. Uh, how did you first get into The Hobbit and or Lord of the Rings? Um, how far does your obsession go? Uh, where did you first become obsessed with it? And um, yeah, tell us some fun, engaging stories about uh, your fandom culture with Hobbit. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about this while driving home from school. Awesome. Because, you know. I, the first time I ever saw Lord of the Rings, because I watched the movies first, I know, kill me, but whatever, you know, I watched the movies first, and I actually watched them out of order because I was at my friend's house, and I owned the extended version of Fellowship of the Ring, but I didn't watch it because I thought it was just, like, boring, <laughs> like, old people stuff, because I was yeah. stupid. I mean, it was written <laughs> was, in I the 30s, so. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, very smooth-brained <laughs> when I was in middle school. Like we're not gonna talk about that. Um, well, but I was at my friend's me, house, and it's we were taking me this over. long to read this the book series so far. I know, so you right? Could, you could call me smooth-brained in myself. Yeah, I unlike most of the other guests, I didn't get into it until I was in middle school. So I'm not like a three-year-old for the rings fan. <laughs> we did have two uh, guests in a row there that was like, I watched it when I was four, and like, when I I'm was baby, an 18-year-old person. Like, nice. Yeah, okay. Right? So I was like, I was like. 10 when I first saw the two, the, like the, the second movie. Okay. And I was at a sleepover and my friend was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's like hang out. But I, her mom was watching Lord of the Rings and I was like, no, 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 shut up. This is amazing. This mm -hmm. is like the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and so I finished watching it. And let me tell you the love that I have for Smeagol I'm sorry. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you there because I Yeah, don't... I'm not Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I love Smeagol yeah. so much. Mm -hmm. He's very much my favorite character, <laughs> other than Gandalf, which is like we're gonna get into that, but like Yeah. Um, uh, I mean I guess we might as well get the weekly Gandalf rant out of the way because <laughs> Gandalf isn't in I it. I was listening to it and I was like, quit hating on my man. <laughs> no, because well, Gandalf doesn't appear in any of these chapters. I don't think I have any notes about him. Um, uh, he is mentioned, though, at, at the beginning yes, I, of I, I, uh, I, I, A Warm I, Welcome. I think I do. I, I think I do have some, some things to say about that. Yeah, I do too. I just, I, do I too. think, I think... He's just not very nice. <laughs> That's the only reason I don't. He's That's... really like weird in The Hobbit, and I yeah. no, I can't tell you anything about like Gandalf and like the lore behind Gandalf or anything. Because everyone's say, been like Gandalf he's is basically busy. Basically, like the only person doing anything ever, well, and there's just so much going on in Middle Earth. Everyone's and he's just the like only Gandalf person... is busy, and I'm like doing what? Like I I just come on. Gandalf is Middle Earth is so big, and he's called. Do you know what he's called? Like, do you know his nicknames? Uh, the only thing I know is Gandalf the Grey. And I don't okay, know why. Um, 
Well, uh, well, I can't tell you anything else about that. But like, basically, he's just the only person out and about doing anything, and there's just like so much going on. Well, uh, you haven't seen any of that now, so I'm still gonna say. Yeah, he's I mean, lazy. it literally says which will not come into this story. Yep. But in terms of this story, he's lazy. So. <laughs> yeah, in terms of the story, he's just kind of like, okay, bye. You know, deal with it yourself. Yeah. I'm just like. Listen, it's a love-hate relationship because I I love to hate Gandalf. I think he's a fun <laughs> character, but he's just not very nice, as I've said. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so I mean, is that um? That the extent of my Lord of the Rings? No, no, no. I oh. much more, but like. Oh, let's yeah. I, yeah, and then there was also like a period where I was just like really into fan fiction, and I like uh-huh. my friends and I were both really into fan fiction, so we both wrote. A fan fiction with each other, Whoa. Uh, which that's not ever going to show up. Okay. Um, please, we will not do any episodes <laughs> on Ashton's fan grade. fiction. Okay. I was in fifth grade. Okay. Oh, Ashton, that was the start of her fan fiction experience. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and we only got better from there. <laughs> and now, and now I'm like a professional. And then I, yeah, and then I read The Hobbit like yes. when I was in sixth grade, and it, I was going through like a rough time, and so. You know, it was, like, the one thing that was, like, kind of keeping me going, you know, is was these Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit and all that. And oh, I felt, sure. like, really good about myself because I was able to read this really big book that no one else – and I didn't like the school I was in. It was, like, the one good thing about the school. So that just, like – it really got me through a tough time. So it's also, like, kind of something that I cherish, you know? Well, that makes me feel bad about what I'm about to do. <laughs> Oh, no, don't no, worry. I'm, I'm totally kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I I love this book, too. I just also enjoy tearing tiny little things about it to pieces. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, we rag on it. We oh, rag yeah. On it. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Okay. I have so many memes oh. <laughs> that only make sense after you've, like, actually read it. Well. Let's see. Because I did extensive research on, like, like everything about the world, and I can't get into it because... You're a noob, but <laughs> I, I don't, like that. Don't call me a so noob. I know all this stuff like about Gandalf and I know every, all this stuff about the elves and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just like, I'm just really, really biting my tongue. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> I've yelled at the podcast several times. Well, you know, that's what makes part of it charming. So <laughs> exactly. I can't exactly. Wait. Once I finish this book and watch these movies, we're going to have all kinds of in-depth discussions where I just laugh at how dumb I am right now. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay. And I mean, but let's get into it. Oh yeah. Let's, I was just about to segue right into that, but you did it for me. Okay. So <laughs> starting right into chapter 10, which I, yeah, chapter 10 is a warm welcome. Right where we left off, uh, Bilbo shoved every single member of his party into a bunch of barrels and are now hurtling toward, yes. <laughs> hurtling <laughs> in a raging rapids in yes in a wooden barrel. This was the worst plan. I I I got so mad at this plan in the last episode, but it's so funny. I just, I can't wait to see how they do this uh, in the movies. And how else are the they future. gonna get past the elves? <laughs> Multiple concussions. That's how apparently. Uh, so the river that they are all traveling towards uh, and traveling through in these barrels opens up into a huge lake with a massive waterfall on one end, and it's just it's huge. It's pretty. It's open up to the sun and the clouds. And in the middle of this lake is a village of man, which is very exciting. We've we've only had one, maybe two mentions of man in this book. This is the first time that we actually see that, okay, man is a thing that exists in this universe. And I'm very excited yep. to to see what makes man special uh, out, you know, because they live in a world full of orcs and goblins and elves. So what is man doing here? I was very interested to see, but... Uh, (laughs) So it's described that this village on the water is one of the last thriving communities from the Kingdom of Dale that obviously Smog destroyed uh, many decades ago. And we get this really cool background information about how most of the men living in this little water village here uh, had long since forgotten about how rich and prosperous and powerful the kingdom used to be. But some... Uh, some older men of the tribe still sing songs about Thror and his reign, which, benefit of taking notes here, 
I know that Thror is the great, 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 however many greats grandfather of Thorin. And so I was like, ooh, okay, this is a this is kind of a homecoming for Thorin here, coming back to the kingdom that he or one of his descendants used to rule over so well and so That's high crazy. and mighty. And I was really, really yeah, excited. Yeah, imagine coming to get back to that. Lake Town. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> I and I, I called that out right even before it happened in the chapters. I was like, ooh, Thor, homecoming for Thorin. I'm very excited. So the barrels containing the dwarves are picked up by the villagers, and once again, everyone who picks up these barrels is like Hmm, I wonder why these barrels are so heavy. Oh, well, not going to address it. Just coincidence. Okay. <laughs> it's awfully convenient for the party, but, I mean, it's really... You're like, hmm, heavy fish must have been good. <laughs> I know, it offers been... some great uh, comedic relief here, even though it's maybe not intentional. Oh, so... And the fact that, like, Bilbo is the only one who can see... <laughs> yeah, no, it's so, I trashed on this so much. I'm, I'm going to stop talking about things that I talked about in literally the previous episode, but I trashed on this Bilbo so Bilbo really gave him the seat of honor. <laughs> no, yeah. So, uh, Bilbo, <laughs> speaking of the seat of honor, later that night, Bilbo is beginning oh, yeah. to try and free Thorin and the rest of them from their barrels, and Thorin just falls out of his barrel, and he looks rough. He's covered in bruises, He's he's like ripping his own hair out, it's like... He looks super fatigued and super pale and super skinny. It's very, very upsetting. And Bilbo sees Thorin on the ground, struggling, gasping for breath, obviously in a lot of pain, and yells at him, Well, are you alive or dead? This is your adventure, after all. With... Oh my god! He was like Gandalf. Sir, that's <laughs> He's so... like, it's your adventure! Like... It's... That is so assertive of him. Like... I gushed about your character shift a ton. I love you now, but still, like, you don't get to speak to him like that. You've been able to move for the last three days. He's been stuck <laughs> in a barrel. Like, I don't think you understand the lengths as to what pain you put him through. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have some compassion. Yeah, he's, he's wretched. He's it's awful. So... <laughs> So anyway, uh, Thorin helps Bilbo to release the rest of the dwarves as best as he can. And Bomber here is once again referred to as poor fat Bomber, which... Oh. Ugh, Tolkien, stop fat shaming your characters, please. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we love Bomber, though. We love him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So uh, Bilbo, being the new leader that he is, um, asks all of the newly freed dwarves who would like to join him to confront the river folk. And with him comes Feely, Keely, and Thorin, which are the two youngest and the strongest. <laughs> and the four of yes. them approach the guards, who are both doing incredibly poorly at their job of guarding. <laughs> they are oh, both yes. drunk and slouching because, <laughs> because there's never been a threat of intrusion into the village before. And Thorin, in his big, booming voice, bursts the door open and goes, I am Thorin, son of Thror. I demand to see your master at once. All this nonsense. I'm like, okay, Thor, like, pipe it down a little bit. Backpedal it a sec there, buddy. You're coming on a little strong to these people that are literally hung over right now. <laughs> so, uh, one of the guards informs Thorin that the king is feasting at the moment, and Feely has a great retort. He goes, good, take us to him. We're hungry. <laughs> and I love, none of the dwarves are taking any shit from anybody. They're all... As they shouldn't. They just dealt with a bunch of shit from all the elves. All the elves, all the goblins, all the wargs, all the eagles. They've been dealing with shit for months now, and they are they're they are at wit's end with literally everyone they meet along this journey. Oh yes. I'm so here for it. Yes, yes, yes. Me too. So, um they are brought to the king as quietly as possible, but news that the son of Thror has finally returned to Lake Town spreads through the kingdom like wildfire, which is an unfortunate term to use, Lake Town wildfire. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, news spreads like wildfire, and everyone's like whispering in the shadows, like, "Oh my God, it's it's Thorin, it's it's the king." 
And everyone in the kingdom goes nuts. There is many, many days of partying and drinking, like we talked about, where everyone in the party is honored as saviors and legends and gods. And this is actually really, really cool to see. I actually really loved this. I, I dub these chapters party chapters. We had one, uh, I believe it was chapter three was our first party chapter. And then and then I also considered Bayorn to be a party chapter as well. But uh, of the party chapters that we have had, this one is definitely my favorite. It's really, really cool to see them celebrated, you know, because this entire journey, they've been going downhill, essentially. And this is the first time that we actually get to see some recognition for the work that they've put in. You know, all the citizens are like, you've been working your ass off, like, good job, you are our king now. And it, that, you know, that's kind of cool, because we've really, this entire quest has been a major uphill battle. And to finally oh, yeah. get some recognition for all the work that Thorin and the rest of the dwarves and Bilbo have put in into this journey has been, it, it was it was cool to see. I really liked seeing our characters celebrated here. Yeah, and and just that part where um, it's written that Thorin walks as if he has already like gotten his kingdom back. <laughs> yeah. I have I have a note here where I'm talking about the the previous king of the river town. Like he was king for however many years, and then Thorin comes along and he's like, "Hello, I'm gonna be your king now for the next week." And he just have to he just has to sit by like, "Okay, I guess this is happening." Like. He definitely got his <laughs> kingdom stolen. He got his kingdom <laughs> stolen for a fat week, and no one no one cares. But, of course, every party chapter needs a celebratory song. And the one we get here oh. is actually really, really cool. We, I mean, we get a song in, I'm pretty sure, every single chapter of this book. <laughs> um, you but... know, the songs only, like, multiply. <laughs> as the once, as once, the series goes on, once we get to fellowship, there's two songs in every oh chapter. My, there's so many songs. There's so many songs. See, and uh, yeah, I just I don't really know how I feel about songs in books right now. Uh, they're honestly really... meaning there because it's always like, what does it sound like? Yeah, <laughs> some of them are quite cool. Some of them are a drag. I actually really do like this one. Maybe it's just the audiobook guy making it sound really cool. But again, I really oh, yeah. like the celebratory I... song here. It's it's quite. It's I definitely quite like when the songs are in the movies because then you can actually listen to them. And then in the book, it's like you're just kind of reading it like a poem, and you're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> you know, I need to do an episode once I finish this book that's just ranking all of the songs. <laughs> if oh, I ever, definitely. If, if I ever get a Patreon, that'll be a bonus episode of just me ranking all the songs from The Hobbit, <laughs> because Absolutely. I, I quite you like should. this one, and some of them are quite bad. So, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So that's pretty much this entire chapter. Really, they're all just kind of celebrating the fact that they exist, and that's chapter ten. A warm welcome. <laughs> the only really thing of note here that I have to comment on. I don't think it's ever addressed in the other two chapters, but who knows, maybe it is addressed in the future. Uh, Bilbo gets a cold. It spends a couple yeah. of paragraphs addressing this, where it talks about Bilbo having the sniffles and finding it hard to breathe and sneezing all the time. And its I don't think it's brought up again in the next two chapters. And it's really strange. So I have a feeling that, like, I don't know, I have a feeling that Bilbo's just going to sneeze on smog at some point. I feel like... I feel like that's, <laughs> oh we haven't gotten to that point yet, but like I have no idea why else that would be mentioned. So, but aside from that, that is chapter ten. A warm welcome. Uh, a pretty harmless, uh, pretty nice chapter. It wraps itself up uh, in a in a big old bow with the crew finally headed off with all the supplies that they gathered from Lake Town to finally confront smog at the Misty Mountains. And I am super excited about that, which, I mean, I've already read the two chapters now. It is super exciting, but... So, yeah, that just about wraps up chapter 10. Uh, it was, I, I like I said, I think it was a really cool chapter. It was super nice to see kind of all these depressed common folk kind of lighten up at the arrival of Thorin, you know, give them a spark of hope, you know, because they've lived their entire lives in the shadow of a dragon, and here they finally oh, yeah. see, like, Thorin and this company that, you know, claims to save the day and claims to try and make their lives better. And, you know, we get to see them partying probably for the first time in a long time. And it's a, it's a really nice uh, 
break from the madness. So yeah, it's like as if Christmas only came once ever. <laughs> once ever, yeah. No, they they literally all go apeshit like children on Christmas morning. <laughs> Thorin, my God, my Jesus, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Please, I will do whatever you say. I love you, Thorin. Mwah, mwah. Okay. <laughs> So, on to chapter 11. So, Ah, uh, yes. Yes. So, the crew, finally, as I've said, is off to confront Smog, and pretty much as soon as Ooh. they leave the happy party village, it all gets super foggy and dark and mysterious. <laughs> and because I why love, wouldn't it? Like, at the very start of the chapter, it's like, fog consumed them. And <laughs> I'm like they oh. were they were just partying and having a great time. Like that is the complete opposite of subtlety. <laughs> but the the vibes in these chapters are quite are immaculate though. It's it's very much like oh, yeah. like the descriptors in chapter yeah. eight. I just I love it so much. Indeed. So uh, they finally reach the base of the mountain, and by the way, that is terrifying. The the descriptions that we get of how dark and dreary and skyscraper like the mountain is and we get this really cool quote right as they reach the base of it they were come to the desolation of the dragon and they were come at the waning of the year which confirms ding 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 my prediction that i made all the way back in chapter two uh yeah no chapter three episode two when i stated that solely because of plot convenience they would arrive at the base of the mountain right when the secret code on the map is going to open up if you remember all the way back in chapter three elrond told them yo there's a secret code on this map and it's only going to be openable during Dwarven New Year, and this quote just said, the waning of the year, which means that I know how fantasy tropes work. Woohoo! I called it. Woo. I fucking called it. <laughs> I just, I love that I was right about that. I'm just just gonna take a moment to pat myself on the back and, and move on. <laughs> Toot your own horn. Yes. <laughs> so, so Thorin sends a small little scouting expedition out to uh, try and reach the base of the mountain and search for a way in. Uh, of course, this scouting expedition includes Bilbo, because why wouldn't it? And as they move, we see the ruins of a major city, and we hear some actually genuinely heartbreaking stories from Balin here about how rich and powerful Dale used to be, because uh, these ruins that we see are the the destroyed remains of Dale, and it's actually quite heartbreaking. Like, I actually read that. I was like, oh my gosh, because uh, I believe Balin is the oldest dwarf, and it is described that he has taken a rather liking to Bilbo over the last couple of chapters, and I, just, I, I really love, love that. I love that, like, old man sensibility like being like, that was the church, that was the school, and it's like... <laughs> It's in it's like, tatters, but no, it's 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 kind of nice. And I wrote down here a note, um, which I don't want you to confirm or deny. But I had a question: if we will ever see Dale in its former glory again in Lord of the Rings, for instance, because I know that Lord of the Rings takes place in the future, and seeing Dale like this was pretty heartbreaking. And I want to know if after they kill the dragon, Dale is a successful economy. Like, <laughs> I'm invested in the politics of this fictional city. This, <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> Can you hear me biting my tongue? Because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry to just, like, have these conversations out in the open with someone who's so intimately familiar with the series. But oh, it's, it's, it's totally cool. That's what the podcast is. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Heading up this mountain, everyone is very full of dread. And they are all exhausted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So, so tired. In fact, the only one with any energy at all, it seems, is Bilbo, who keeps looking at My the man. map from different directions and encouraging the dwarves, like, pushing them to keep going forward and keep searching for the entrance. That's what this entire chapter is, basically. It's searching for the entrance to the cave. And, and I just love Bilbo so much. Bilbo, his... <laughs> the... His high spirits really are what saved the group here, because they're they're all very depressed because they search for the entrance for, to this mountain for a very long time. Oh yeah, they do. So all of the dwarves are now up this mountain and are searching for this secret door, uh, except only Bofur and Bomber were left behind, which 
They were Come too on. sad. They that's, the, them out. that's the second <laughs> time in this in this chunk, Tolkien. That is the second time in this chunk that you fat shame Bomber, and I will not stand for it. This is a this is outrageous. Like one was too old and the other was just pff, too fat. Ah, <laughs> Tolkien. Oh, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> he just couldn't climb. <laughs> no, yeah. So, Bomber appreciation. We we love we we love you. We love you. But ah, uh, I just I wish I wish Tolkien did you more justice. I wish you got I wish you got a heroic moment. You know, like you've only gotten to fall off of a boat. You got so kicked far. in the face by a deer. You got kicked in the face. Come on. <laughs> Come on, oh. give him some more. Ah, pizza, pizza, <laughs> ravioli. Give, give Bomber some something to do. I don't. <laughs> okay, so after many days of searching, they find what they believe to be the entrance, but cannot open it for all their struggles. And I'm sitting here like it's because it's not New Year yet. Like, like come guys, on, didn't guys. you read? Don't you didn't remember? You it was only a couple remember? of chapters ago. Come on, guy. <laughs> Didn't you remember Elrond? Didn't you read the book? But, yeah, right. but I, I guess I guess in their perspective, it has been multiple months since they talked to Elrond. So like oh, yeah. Elrond told you. Like it's very important information. Like even Gandalf was like, remember this, you can't open the door until Dwarven New Year, but nah, okay. Gandalf <laughs> is like a tired parent that's just like, guys. <laughs> All right, I gotta go to work. See you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, there's potatoes in the fridge. <laughs> but sorry to interrupt this Bilbo love here, because Bilbo, the story notes, is not doing much thinking of the here and now. Instead, he's thinking about going back to his <laughs> hobbit hole. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! He said the thing. He said his catchphrase. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> I hate like, this. We know, Bilbo. We get it, dude. Nah, but honestly, that's me when I'm at work. It's like, man, can I just go home? Please? Yeah, but it's so, <laughs> so much. tired. As much as there is a song quota in every episode, more than that, there is a I want to go back to my hobbit hole quota. And I hate it. I hate it so much. I will continue to bring it up. And I know it's annoying for all the listeners listening. Austin, well, is, Austin like, is talking about how annoying Hobbit Bilbo is, is again. Book about, if Hobbit is the book about Bilbo and the dwarves complaining, yeah. the Hobbit in this podcast is going to be Austin complaining about them complaining. <laughs> it comes full circle. That's the, slo <laughs> that's the slogan of the podcast. Listen to me complain about a bunch of people complaining. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway... Bilbo is sat at this rock with no clue as to how to open this thing when, just for a moment, as the sun is setting on what has to be the last day of the year, a beam of light gleams, hits the rock, and the floor beneath him begins to crumble to reveal a tiny tunnel that is going into the mountain. Uh, which, yay! <laughs> Pat yeah, does... and also you forgot the snails. <laughs> the snails, and the thrasher. Oh my! Please, please. What what was so what was so important about the snails that I forgot to write in the notes? It triggered him, and he was like, "Guys, the door." Oh. <laughs> wait, wait. Remind remind me of this. I I do not remember this part of the book. There's these really big snails, and. Bilbo is sitting on the doorstep, just thinking about his hobbit hole, mm -hmm. and then he's watching these snails just yep. doing their thing. Mm -hmm. And then this thrasher just grabs the snail and just starts bashing it against a rock. And he's just like, oh, Jesus. Uh, it's just the thrasher just being like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, right. Oh, bah, shit. New Year. That's right. I remember now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know why a thrasher bashing a snail against a rock would just make that click in his mind, but it did for some reason. Oh, and he was well, just like, oh yeah. <laughs> Bilbo's mind works in weird ways. He he is built Bilbo's different. just built different. He is, yeah, he's he's just, built different. He's a different breed. So, all but Bomber proceed into the darkness because Bomber is the fat one that they left outside. <laughs> <sighs> well, he's at the base of the mountain, Get so... Because he's fat and all he does is sleep and eat and be lazy? Oh my god. <laughs> So, 
All that, all that aside, the map and the key that Elrond gave them all the way back in Chapter 3 finally pays off, and we proceed on with our journey into Chapter 12, Inside Information. Which, before we even get into yeah. this chapter, I love this chapter. It's so cool. I Me love too. it so much. Bilbo is such a big boy. <laughs> He's such a badass. He has grown. I, I don't know why I hesitated in like saying the word badass, but he has I did. Grown. This, is, this was a weird yes, chunk sir. of chapters because both of these are were only about, like, 10 pages long. And then this one was, like, 40. So I, I know, we, We've got right? two transition chapters and then, boom, giant plot happens. So <laughs> let's get into giant plot. So chapter 12 opens with Thorin giving a big speech, basically forcing Bilbo to go first. That's the entire purpose of this speech. Yep. He's like, he was just, and then Bilbo was just like, dude, just... Just, just I know whatever. I'm going to have to go. I, just just say it. Just I love this it. speech. He's like, we have traveled far and wide, and it is now time for you, young hobbits, to do the thing you have promised you would do for us so many eons ago. And I'm like, okay. Bilbo was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we know that you're just trying to chicken out of going first. We understand. And yeah, to Thorin's surprise, Bilbo obliges, and he asks, <laughs> would anyone like to come with me? And nobody raises their hand. Yeah, nobody like... wants to follow him. And then like Balin is like, "I'll I'll walk in with you." And yeah. you know, like come... Balin like <laughs> meekly raises his hand. He's like, maybe, yeah. he's like, maybe me. But I just I don't like this moment because what were the dwarves thinking was going to happen? They knew that it was going to be dangerous. Why? Like yeah, were they just right? going to, were they just going to be cowards this entire time? Like, yeah, and then there was just like that one part where it's like the thing you need to know about dwarves mm-hmm. is that they're they're great as long as you don't expect too much of them. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, just well, like that's great. <laughs> so of course, Bilbo continues on alone, wearing the ring, of course, uh, and making no noise and pretending that he does not exist. That that is how he's going along here. And we get some really, really cute dialogue as he is reminiscing about how much he's changed since leaving Bag End. Yeah, and it's and like, I was just thinking about it. No, it's, like, really, no. it's really wholesome because, you know, Bilbo has changed. I, I spent three fucking episodes of this podcast harping on how much I hate Bilbo. But, I mean, here he's self-aware about it. He's like, I used to be a loser. Now I'm kind of cool. Look at that, you know? Yeah, he's like, haha, back when I started, I was worried about handkerchiefs, yeah. and I haven't used a handkerchief in months. Uh, you, you just said the quote that I had written down specifically to talk about this, because I laughed so hard. I was listening to the audiobook. I laughed so I literally hard laughed out quote. loud. I was like, I haven't seen a pocket handkerchief in ages. Look at me. And he's all proud of himself. He's <laughs> like, okay, no. yeah, good, good job, Bilbo. Good job. <laughs> But he does decide to continue, noting how it keeps getting hotter. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> it's almost like... <laughs> it's almost like you're heading straight into a dragon's den. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, and then they're like, maybe he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then he begins... Just like, the dwarves are just like hoping and praying that right. he's dead. Or... Maybe he's <laughs> dead, and we do, we just came over here for nothing. Just like... Maybe he's dead, and we can just like get our gold and like, you know... <laughs> high hopes there, dwarves. High, high hopes. High, um, high hopes. Yes. And Bilbo just confirmed that they were wrong. Yes. Uh, right before he moves into the deepest part of the mountain, the book has a really, really cool metaphor that I want to read out. Well, not really a metaphor, like figurative language of some kind. And I, I really appreciate it. And I, ju- I just want this to be a talking point because this is a really cool quote, even though it's like the fourth quote I've read. But it's it's quite cool. So it says, Going on from this point was the bravest thing that Bilbo Baggins ever did. The tremendous things that happened afterwards were as nothing compared to it. He fought the real battle in that tunnel alone before he ever saw the vast danger that lay in wait. Which I just really love that to an astronomical degree. Just I I just I really love that it acknowledges that the internal struggle of do I go through with this was even stronger than all of the fears that he faced when he's fighting the dragon and all the fears he has faced fighting the goblins and the trolls like no. The most scary part of this entire journey was his mental battle with himself, thinking, 
am no, I actually like... am I actually strong enough to go through with this? Like it, it's really, really. I don't, that's a really cool detail to point out, and I really I I connected with Bilbo in that moment. Absolutely, it's almost it's like when you're at like a really really tall water slide or like a really tall <laughs> where are you going with diving this? board. Uh -huh. It's like when you're standing at the ledge of a diving board and you're like, oh, jeez, that's really high. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do I it's... jump? And then when you jump, you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Why, why was I? Why was I so, like, that's actually, worried? You know? That's actually quite a good comparison. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, the the scariest part is the anticipation, is the unknown, you know? Oh, definitely. Anyway, so he steps forth. And a massive cavern opens up, filled to the brim with gold like a Scrooge McDuck vault, and a sleeping <laughs> smog curled up in its center. Side note, what a great first image of smog this is. Like, not only because we get a sense of his just absolutely chad size, <laughs> because, uh, because of Bilbo is so small and he's looking... Uh, because of the fact that Bilbo is so small and he's looking at him from above... But also the fact that this man is literally sleeping on a literal bed of gold. He is sleeping oh, yeah. on a bed of gold. I know exactly Smog? what kind of character this is, even before he's said any kind of word. I know exactly what he's about. So uh, We get a lot of really fantastic descriptors here about how Smog's dreams are filled with wickedness. Which I find hilariously out of the blue. Like, I do a lot of things. Okay, I'm nail him that he's evil. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. I'm into theater. I'm into podcasting. But none of my dreams are really about theater or podcasting. Most of my dreams are just nonsense. But this dude is so obnoxiously evil that even his dreams are about stealing shit and killing people. Like, this dude is intense wait good job at telling us how evil he is book like hitting the nail on the coffin there yeah this book i did want to like say but this book is kind of like the narrator you talk a lot about how the narrator is like its own little personality oh yeah and it kind of reminds me of like lemony snicket just as if that is a lemony great snicket would, like, go out of his way to tell you about the definition of every single word that he said. Right. Yeah. I I didn't yeah. I didn't draw that conclusion. There's a lot of parallels to be made there. Yeah, because they're they both have a personality of their own for sure. Indeed. Except Tolkien was a real guy. Um, so, some interesting bits of lore are peppered in here too, because uh, Bilbo's mouth is hanging open with shock at both the shock of seeing so much gold and the shock at seeing a massive fucking dragon. And the oh, book yeah. says there are no words to describe this moment, which would have been enough, you would think, to say that he was shocked then, speechless. But then, and then it goes, goes on. It yeah, words. no, it goes on to say, uh, because, of course, when man stole English from elves many years ago, they changed the language to be more inferior. So now, of course, Bilbo doesn't have the words to describe how he's feeling because man stole English from elves. And I'm like, I'm like whoa, 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 whoa. Where did this come from? Whoa. Tolkien, is, is this a little bit of your patriotism sneaking through? Like, are you a little salty at America for fucking up the English language? Like, is that is that what's happening right now? Are you uh, Whenever whenever. Men stole language from elves, period. Uh, they just made it worse. And it's like, dude, shut up. It's totally... <laughs> have to rag on me like it's totally Tolkien's nationalism shining through. He's like, I'm... He's Tolkien totally... an elf nationalist. No, I mean, he fought, he fought in the war. This man is so patriotic. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Americans stole our language and made it worse. I'm gonna write it into my fantasy book. <laughs> <laughs> That's just that. That's what's happening so right now. <laughs> so yeah, little little anti-American there, Tolkien. Anyway, <laughs> so Bilbo snaps to his senses and seeing that he is definitely going to get murdered, uh, just finds a cup on the wall that looks to be part of the dwarves' lost treasure, steals it, and just books it out of there. Just absolutely sprints his ass down back the tunnel. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dwarves congratulate him for having the courage to just go in and out so quickly like that. 
But they're of course, they're like, dude, great <laughs> job! You got a cup. That's you awesome. You did it. And they're like, they are so like, like they're not even love. condescending. They're like actually like very happy about no, it. <laughs> they are in love with this cup. The book literally describes <laughs> that they spend multiple like ten minutes just like passing the cup from dwarf to dwarf, just being like, oh, it's a cup. It's our treasure. It's magnificent. And just like, just like <laughs> licking it and hugging it and like just loving it. So I'm like, okay, calm down. Like, I know you're dwarves, but I know you've got like a gold boner going on. But like, steer it back a little bit, please. It's a little too obsessive. Yeah, right. <laughs> but of course, nothing can ever be that simple because just then they hear a rumble from the mountain as if the mountain were a volcano that has made up its mind to start erupting again. <laughs> Which is a Such great a descriptor. Point. There's some really, really great descriptors in this paragraph. And, oh, yeah. In this chapter. And I do want to bring up one line Please that do. I heard in this chapter. Please do. And it's the fact that Tolkien describes smog when he wakes up and he sees that this little cup is gone. Yep. And he's just like, oh my god. Smog gets <laughs> like, literally fuming. with the rage of, oh my of god. a rich man who has lost something that he didn't care about and right. didn't even want in the first place. And, and this... I was just like, thank you, Tolkien. Yeah. Based Tolkien. This Pog. cavern is like hundreds of feet wide too, and he just senses the fact that one of his cups has been stolen. Like I get, he has an outrageous sense of smell, but the fact that he knows, it's like it's, yeah, a cup. <laughs> it's a cup, sir. Like you were already millions, perhaps billions of dollars rich. Like, yeah. oh boy. Um. <laughs> So, oh god uh, like you mentioned we get to see a bit inside of smog's head here as he roars in rage <laughs> and as funny as it is and as much as we just made fun of him for it this is actually really badass i i love smog oh, yeah, as a character definitely. so far i really think i just he's... i like dragons in general oh my gosh yes you can't have a fantasy novel without a dragon. That's no, how I see it. No, absolutely not. And and this is ours. Yep. <laughs> so Smog makes a bound for the exit, and Bilbo has has a quite big brain move here. He actually shoves them all back into the mountain, realizing that it's what Smog won't be expecting because, of course, Smog is coming out, and they all want to run back down the mountain. And Bilbo's like. Yo, that is not going to help. <laughs> Smog is going to see you. He is coming after us to kill us right now. Get your ass back into the mountain. <laughs> yeah, we love we love Bilbo. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but of course, everyone's favorite butt of the joke bomber is still at the bottom of the mountain. You're like, oh no, well, not fat bomber. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> They call him fat. I, I my note here is on the contrary of that because at this news, most of the dwarves, a significant amount of them, flat out just give up. Like, oh well. Yeah, I know. There's a direct quote like where Bilfer goes, "Oh well, guess he's just gonna have to die," and, <laughs> and they all just accept that. We all knew it would happen sooner or later. Yeah. And only like I'm quickly learning that the only good dwarves are Thorin. Feely, Keely, Bomber, and uh, Ballin. Ballin. <laughs> yeah. Those are the only good. Those are the only dwarves that want anything to do with this adventure. I don't know why any I of them tagged along. I thought that your favorite dwarf was Oin, though. <laughs> I love Oin. I still love Oin. But the reason I love Oin is because Oin has not had a single line of dialogue this entire book. <laughs> I immediately picked out the most useless dwarf, and he still has not become useful. Almost every other dwarf has had their moment in the sun. Oin has not. And I. There will be protests in the street. Oin will have his moment. Oh. Anyway. So all the dwarves basically just give up on saving Bomber's life and try and escape into the mountain, and only Bilbo and Thorin are like, no. Like, Get Bomber, and they send a group out to uh, alert Bomber that, like, yo, there's a dragon coming, you're about to die. And we get this great moment where he's just sprinting up the mountain as fast, as fast as he can. And as fast as poor Bomber can as run. As fast as his fat little feet can carry him, <laughs> um, says Tolkien. Anyway. <laughs> 
And of course, because dramatic tension and suspense is a thing, <laughs> Bomber manages to dive inside of the hiding spot at the very last second, just before Smog flies out to kill them all. <laughs> they just made it. <laughs> so. But the only thing that they can see out of the small crack that is the tunnel that they've revealed for themselves is the entire sky just engulfed in red as smog torches the entire mountain and the surrounding forest, which is like, yo, overkill much. Like, you, once again, as we've mentioned, one cup just got stolen. One cup. Like, calm your ass, please. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's, like, one cup, and also, like, dude, you're not going to get the cup back if you torch <laughs> the entire forest. Good point. It's, like, how are you going to pick up a cup? Like, how did you even transport all this treasure in the first place is my question. Like, you're freaking giant. Anyway, um, I just, I love how intense Smog is and how he will just, he will immediately jump to the number one plan of aggression. He's, like, okay. Uh, one cup got stolen, torch the entire village. Got it. That is my next course of action. The only reason the group is still alive is because their ponies cause a distraction and start galloping away from the mountain, and Smog flies after the ponies. Which means, just a side note here, this is their second group of ponies that have gotten straight up murdered in their journey. Like, what, there, yeah. there's 15 members? That means... 30 ponies have been murdered over the course of this journey. Like, someone yeah, called like PETA. That's a pony. Yikes. <laughs> like, like, they got... They, they got eaten by the goblins, and then... Yeah, yeah. And then Bayorn's... Yeah, well, these horses are riverfolk horses. So, nothing happened to Bayorn's horses, yeah. thank God. But... Ripped to, rip to Lake Town horses. Oh, my goodness. Friendship is not magic. They... Sp- <laughs> Poor ponies. <laughs> Friendship did not turn out to be magic. <laughs> Friendship with the dwarves, at least. Friendship with the dwarves is instant death. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's, that's great. I love that. I'm so, okay. Uh, um, all the dwarves are just J-chillin' in this tiny little cramped tunnel in the mountain, and they spend a few nights living off of as little rations as they have, hearing the angry calls of smog hunting for horse above them. And uh, we get a really funny interaction here between Thorin and Bilbo. Uh, both of them are obviously quite frustrated at each other. And uh, Bilbo goes, I was not engaged to kill dragons. I was engaged to steal treasure. Do you expect me to trot back with the whole horde of Thror on my back? If there is any grumbling to be done, I think I might have a say. And Thorin retorts back with, Then what do you suppose we do, Mr. Baggins? And Bilbo goes, I have no idea. <laughs> it's like he was putting up quite a no, fight. No, it's also just like... Yeah, he's like, my, this is not in my line of work. And it's like, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're, what do you, what mean, do you, what do you mean your line of work? Four months ago, yeah. you did nothing but eat food and lay, and like be lazy. Your line of work. You're like, I am a proud yeah, thief now. Like, oh. Just because you got one little ring. Yeah. <laughs> But also, like, Thorin is depending way too much on Bilbo right now. Bilbo kind of just, like, puts the pants on right after Mirkwood. He's like, I guess I'm the leader now. Thorin (laughs) is the one who has been on way more adventures, who's supposed to be experienced in this. And Thorin's just like, well, what do you suppose we do, Bilbo? And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) They're both incredibly petty. You're the burglar. And it's also like, since when did burglars become the leader? I mean, (laughs) you know, know, since they murdered two spiders and saved everyone from Mirkwood. Yeah. (laughs) So... So they all stay put reluctantly, but incredibly, Bilbo makes an offer to wear the ring and try and go down into Smog's lair to attempt to investigate a weak spot in the dragon. And for a man that wants nothing more to return to his home, this is an incredibly selfless action. Like, he's like, oh, okay, I will volunteer to potentially die. Like, and and a couple pages ago, he was like, I want to go home, but also I want to save the day. It's like, I'm impressed with how selfless this action is, but I do miss stubborn Bilbo. 
a bit. Just just to put this out there, yes. the movie Bilbo is very sassy, <laughs> and that's the best part about the movie. I can't, watch it's, it's the, just, I can't wait to watch these movies, man. I can't it's wait. It's just Martin Freeman being super sassy, and that's the only reason I watched all three of them. I mean, that's the only reason I watched the British version of The Office, so, I mean... Valid. Yeah, there you go. So... Uh, reluctantly, Bilbo goes down into Smog's cavern once again, and just these next few pages, freaking amazing. I just, I, I love it so much because Smog senses something in his cavern, and he calls out for Bilbo to help yourself once again. There is plenty to spare. <laughs> I just love how welcoming Smog is, even though he definitely wants to kill Bilbo. He's like, sit down, have some tea, steal some more stuff while you're at it. <laughs> That's just British people, though. <laughs> British people, like British the, writing. The British side of Tolkien came out. British he dragons. was just like, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. invite him over for tea. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Bilbo puts Dragons on... Dragons and hobbits have much more in common than they think. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. So, uh, well, apparently in this context. So, Bilbo puts on his best elementary school brown noser voice and <laughs> begins to compliment yes. the dragon, which is fantastic. At first, I thought this was really oh, yeah. stupid. Like, you don't want to give away your location. Being invisible is your only advantage here, but... The conversation that follows is really, really cool, so I will give it a pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. And it's also just, like, I love when any time in literature, whenever, like, a protagonist just starts flattering the villain, <laughs> like, and then, like, catch him off guard. Everyone's like, ooh, It's just, okay. like, my favorite trick. Yeah. He's just like, oh, yeah, I am pretty great, aren't I? And then they're just like, yeah, and then they, like, get him. It's know? so predictable, but so funny, because uh, Smog yeah, is, every single time. Smog is, quote, flattered, which is hilarious to picture. Like, just imagining a, a red dragon just being all, like, rosy-cheeked, kawaii facial expression, like, oh... Uh, oh, thank you. So they begin having a rather formal chat with one another, as we've mentioned, and uh, each of them are trying to trick the other one into revealing information, hence the chapter title, Inside Information. And I just yes. love how casually Smog, a fucking dragon, is like, Oh, do you really? Who are you and where do you come from, if I may ask? He says that. He says, if I may ask. Which is so polite for this murderous, hungry dragon. Very, I like Smog's manners, at least. This motherfucker asks permission to ask a question. Like, this is the most polite man-eating dragon yeah. I've ever met. <laughs> so they have a bit of a battle of wits here as Bilbo is refusing to tell him his name but instead refers to himself as barrel rider, web cutter, clue finder and coming from the end of bag which, wow, very subtle Bilbo bag end, end of bag wow, you sure and also just him just like you kind sure of stroking his own ego just being like, yeah, I'm the I'm like the riddle guy. I'm the you know? riddle. <laughs> if all of his nicknames were just more hip, just like, just like rapper names, just like, yo, Biggie Bilbo. I'm Lil Riddle. Guy of the know? riddle. Just very, very subtle, Bilbo. <laughs> Smog notes that he can smell dwarf on the ponies that he had for dinner and warns him that dwarves won't be as trustworthy as Bilbo might think which is what we talked about before, about Smog trying yes. to instill doubt in Bilbo, which classic manipulation tactic. Nice try, Smog. Uh, but he does make a You're really like, good point mountain. here, though, because he, he says does. that the treasure, once they have won, will be eventually split into 15 ways, one for each of the dwarves, one for Gandalf, and one for Bilbo. And, I mean... That's a like that's a good point because no yeah. matter how much treasure there is, that's a kind of a shitty end of the deal when Bilbo has been carrying the crew this much. Like Bilbo needs to negotiate his deal a little bit more. Like I know that this is just Smog <laughs> trying to manipulate him, but that's a good point. Like Bilbo, you need to you need to know how gambling works. You need to negotiate a little bit more money on your side. Like you're pulling the camp way too far to receive a 15th of a share of treasure. Yeah. Uh, so it would just buy him more beer and weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
beer and weed. <laughs> so, so, of course, he's just trying to mislead Bilbo, and Bilbo is laying on the compliments hard. And he compliments Smog so much that Smog begins to get so cocky that he rolls around in his pile of gold. <laughs> Which, I just love that, like, he just, for a split second, turns into a fucking puppy dog. And it's just like, ah, oh, my gold, I'm in love. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, so... He, him rolling over though, does reveal a perfect weak spot on his belly below his legs, which uh, that information is pretty much the only thing that Bilbo came for. So he quickly goes, "Okay, nice chat. I'm gonna be going now. <laughs> I've learned the information that I need like, to know." Uh, yeah. Bye. Goodbye. Like, I, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> <laughs> so, he quickly ends the dinner with Smaug and runs back towards the dwarves, uh, flames billowing behind him, and gets back to the dwarves and reluctantly informs them that he thinks he did not do a great job with oh, negotiating yeah. with the dragon. Uh, he thinks that he revealed too much information when he said Barrel Rider because that is a dead giveaway that he came from Lake Town. So he tells the dwarves that he thinks that Smog's next move is going to be flying over to Lake Town to destroy the entire village, which is a big bummer, you know? I mean, we met them at the beginning of the chapter, and now they all have a death sentence. So I have no idea how that's going to go, but... Terrifying. Oh yeah. my god. They get the short end of the stick. <laughs> they, they do, unfortunately. But they do live in a world of dragons and elves and goblins and orcs. So they do. They, they oh, are yeah. shafted quite a bit in this universe. So. Quite a bit. Yes. But that'll come into. That, that'll that'll be uh that'll that'll be important later <laughs> i don't know how yet uh but you can't tell me so moving right along <laughs> so balin as president of bilbo's fan club attempts to cheer him up but is super unsuccessful uh, bilbo is very depressed now he thinks he did a very poor job in that confrontation uh, so much so that even thorin's like dude chill the fuck out like <laughs> calm calm down please <laughs> It's all. <laughs> yes, but the conversation moves to what Smog said about the dwarves, and when confronted about how the hell they plan to transport all of the gold, which is another good point that Smog brought up, like, once they get all this treasure, where the hell are they going to take it? <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Thorin's excuse for this, though, is him going, we all knew that this would be a desperate venture. Hold on. No, that is not at all what happened here. I remember this. I read this book. It was only four podcast episodes ago. Thorin went right. on and on in his speech in the first chapter about how exciting the adventure would be and the glory they would all win. Bilbo was not adequately warned about this at all. We all knew this would be a desperate venture. Bullshit. You did not tell anyone we're probably going to die. This is desperate. Like, I I just, I feel like Bilbo got coerced into a pretty bad deal here. But then again, that is Smog's manipulation at work, so. Indeed. Uh, anyway, nobody is in particularly good spirits at the moment right now. Uh, Thorin, Thorin keeps grumbling the names of various treasures from the kingdom in his sleep, which is a great detail. In in these past couple chapters, they've really Tolkien has really dehumanized Thorin. He's he looked like a wet puppy dog, and he's saying names Aww. of treasure in his sleep. Like Thorin's just gotten a million times more adorable in these last three chapters, and I love it. Um. So he's mumbling about various treasures, specifically a large white jewel called the Arkenstone, which I believe is the first time we hear yeah. about the Arkenstone. I'm sure it has major it significance. Is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you, <laughs> you can't say anything about the Arkenstone. You, I can't. I just don't like the way it was handled in the movie, but oh. that's all I'm going to say okay. about the Arkenstone. I... Yeah. I mean, to me right now, it seems pretty insignificant, but we will see. So, interesting to note yeah. for later in the book. Uh, they're all sleeping, and completely out of the blue, in the middle of the night, uh, Bilbo just 
awakes and just yells at them to close the exit door on both sides, which would make their only exit the dragon's lair, <laughs> which is obviously inconvenient. Uh, but it's a damn good thing that they did do this, though, because seconds later, they hear a giant explosion as Smog just obliterates that side of the mountain. And yeah. um, I, I'm just like, how did Bilbo know this i'm gonna chalk it up to mysterious ring powers that i don't know about but like he literally wakes up in the middle of the night goes holy shit close the door and they do and that's how they live like i bilbo's spidey just is going off just i <laughs> spidey sense <laughs> so the last thing that we hear from this chunk is smog chuckling to himself on his way to destroy the river village just as bilbo predicted which is sad i mean we just met these people in the first chapter of the yeah. chunk and now they're all dead what i mean kind of worked out perfectly for this episode i mean we met them and now they're dead so, so i mean yeah <laughs> except like yeah. It's gonna be great what happens to Smog. But like at the end okay, actually I can tell you what Smog says because it's at the end of like this. Oh. And this part is like whenever he's leaving to go like kill all the Lake Town villagers, yes. he's like, I am fire. I am death. And it's just like you're so dramatic, dude. This like... <laughs> fucking dragon is the most over dramatic there have been a lot of over dramatic characters in this story. Gandalf, Bilbo, Bomber. This guy oh, takes the cake for being just the most overly dramatic. Like, they stole my cup. Oh my god! I'm gonna ruin an entire forest. Oh my god! <laughs> well, rip, huh. rip the river folk. I guess. I, I mean, they're just, they're just dead. I guess we just have <laughs> rip the river folk. I guess. Uh, but as I have mentioned, that is the end of this chunk of three chapters. So I haven't really heard too much about your opinions about um, the chapters as we're, as we're moving through. So now is the time. Yes. What, what are your thoughts about these three chapters and how it leads us off for the rest of the book and the book as a whole? Well, I did sprinkle in most of my opinions. Yeah, no, for uh, sure. And, uh, but like some of my notes that I took, while I was reading, yes, was at the beginning. I was like, "E the mountain." Bilbo is just so upset about how the mountain looks. He's just like, "Ah." He really doesn't. He's very. My afraid. disappointment is immeasurable, and my day is ruined. <laughs> and every single time he describes the mountain, he's like, "This stupid mountain. It's frowning at me." <laughs> I was just like, "Dude, I just this love... mountain is ugly." The mountain <laughs> is not a person. It is not frowning at you. It is a mountain. But it's it's just like glaring at him. It's, <laughs> it's just like, "Ugh, the mountain. It's so mean." It's a great description. <laughs> though it's a great description so oh absolutely and i just love like the opening description of a warm welcome where he's talking about the lake and it's like it's just enough description please describe things like that from now on tolkien <laughs> you don't need to go into two pages of how a tree looks you can just do what you did in a warm welcome and it'll be great you know yeah i really did enjoy like we get two very, very short chapters of party and then preparation and then just intense battle time. Like, everyone, we've been on a roller coaster of emotions, really. Everyone was super happy, and now they're down in the dumps. They're like, oh, shit, we actually yeah. had to fight this dragon? Oh, I thought we were just, like, like, messing oh, around. Man, I knew we were supposed to fight a dragon, but, like, yeah. man. <laughs> I didn't know it would be this hard. Ugh. <laughs> yeah and then Doran's like what do you mean you didn't know it would be this hard we all knew this would be a desperate venture guys well, like <laughs> Doran when you said fight a dragon I didn't mean you meant like fight a dragon you know I thought you meant just, I like, thought you meant it would be like a metaphor it was a you know? like, I didn't I did. that's what Oin is saying that's Oin's inner monologue right now is he... <laughs> that's Oin's like that's, that's why he hasn't he has like a Kermit voice that's why he hasn't said anything for the last three chapters because he's just terrified oh Oh, Oin headcanon, yay! Oin headcanon. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, if I mean, if that wraps up your thoughts on the on these three chapters, I really, really enjoyed myself. Smog is one of my new favorite characters. I love just how evil he is. He is the epitome of intense, and I just I yes. I love that so much. 
Um, Balin has become one of my new favorite dwarves. I think he's pretty rad. He's like he's got that like I kind. He's got that kind old man energy, and I love him. And uh, yeah, yes, all of our characters are super depressed, and they have no idea how they're going to kill this yeah. dragon. So, what a no. cheery, chipper way to end off this episode. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Ashton, for coming on to discuss these three chapters with me. It's been a great, great time. Thank you for having me. And that just about does it for me. The Search for Middle-Earth was hosted, written, and edited by Austin Savat. It is produced by Austin Savat. Original concept and format credit goes to Mike Schubert, and the music is by Patrick Moonbird. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Ashton for guesting, and... Have a very evil, very intense day.